the Colorado Department of Education, when they got the report of what the charges were, I got a letter from them in the mail that said I could go on trial with them as well, or I could just surrender my teaching license. And so I remember this was like a pivotal moment in my decision of like moving forward and like being super intentional about rebuilding my life as I remember my dad saying, because I've always wanted to own my own business and do my own thing and like very passionate about building like a dream life or like what and helping others support others in their dream lives and like what they want to do. So I remember my dad telling me like, Ashley, this is your chance. Make your decision and don't look back. Period. Hi, friends, and welcome to All Things Relatable, a place where stories are shared. It's hard to put a value on a story because the lasting effects it can have are often priceless. An individual's story has the potential to impact our lives in tremendous ways. My hope for you in joining me today is that this episode resonates with you and that you leave enlightened, ignited, and inspired because it only takes one moment to spark a change and leave an everlasting effect. When I first heard Ashley's story, what immediately caught my attention was the way she faced the obstacles that she'd encountered in her life. In one night, her whole world came crashing down. She was arrested, which would lead to losing her teaching license and career. She lost the place she once called home and had to move back in with her parents. That night, she left her home with three things, a camera, a laptop, and a six-month-old baby in tow. And if that wasn't enough to handle, she woke up one morning to discover that she'd lost sight in one eye. Initially, Ashley had feelings of anger, worthlessness, and shame. The life she had once known was unraveling one thread at a time, and she had no control of how things were playing out. But she ended up making a decision that would change the trajectory of her future. She decided that the one thing she could control was how she reacted to her situation. Once she made that decision, things started to change. Ashley would have to rebuild her life again from the bottom up, and her mindset played a key role in leading her from the darkness back to the light. Her story is truly inspiring, and I cannot wait to dive in. Please welcome my next guest, Ashley. Hi. Hi. Thank you for being here. Yes, I'm so honored and blessed to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're here. I just know your story is going to inspire so many people out there who maybe are in a dark place right now. Um, just kind of going through your story and showing them how things can, can change. Yes. They can completely change and it all, um, it can seem super dark and lonely, but at the same time, like making the decisions to, choose like what's the next best step even if you don't know if it's truly the right one there is no wrong step but you just got to keep moving so no matter like how slowly you go as long as you move then you're you'll get to where you need to be I love that okay so can you take us back to that night that your whole world changed yeah so um I was the kid in school. I never got in trouble, never went to detention, never like not a lick of trouble, never went to the principal's office. So um, going through something like that was so eye-opening. Um, 
to just, I don't like pain and like suffering that some people like go through. And I, it sounds super, super scary. And it was super scary at the time because I didn't know what was going to happen. But now looking back, it was the catalyst that made me reevaluate and start living in my purpose. And it didn't happen overnight and it took a lot of healing, but, um, that night it was just, um, I want to be careful with what I say because I don't want to, um, just for my daughter's sake, I don't want to like give too many details. So, um, I, when I was arrested, I cried the entire time, like in jail, uh, in the, in the police car. Um, it was, um, just such a humbling, terrifying, heartbreaking situation. So, um, looking back at that night, I could still see like where the universe, God, whatever you believe was fighting for me. Um, you, I didn't see it at the time, but now looking back, I could, um, even with some of the women that were in jail, like I got borrowed a Bible from somebody. Cause I remember like we got a break from our cell and I asked somebody, what do you do? Like, how do you not go crazy? Like, how do you keep your mind occupied when you're in the cell? And they're like, well, we pray and we read our Bibles. And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> that <laughs> that's okay. So I remember telling my mom when I got out that, um, I was like, hey, mom, I borrowed a Bible from a heroin addict. And she was like, Ashley, oh my God, stop. And I was like, well, I did. So um, it was just one something in my life where I definitely saw the presence of God and like laying on the cot in the jail cell praying um, for him just to be with me and to like keep me calm and like keep me breathing. And like, I was actually able to sleep like a little bit um, because I was just was definitely not at peace, but I felt a presence of calm because of my faith. So um, that was kind of, he was there, even though it was the worst thing I've ever experienced. So. So that night when you got arrested, how long did you end up spending in jail? Um, two nights. Yeah. So I, um, I figured out pretty quickly that like the guard or like the um, police officer, the guard would walk by and do like a check of all the cells every 15 minutes. So they gave you a piece of paper, like your intake form of like what they took, like your shoes and jacket, stuff like that, that they're holding for you. So I took that piece of paper and I would keep time with dots. So every time I saw the 
um, guard walked by, I was like, oh, it's been 15 minutes. So I put a dot on a piece of paper. So, and I still have the piece of paper um, and there's 89 dots on it. So I kept track of how, um, that's how I kept track of time and it helped me, I guess, use my time. So, yeah. And so, and were you with all women when you were in the, in the cell? Like how many other women were in there with you? I don't know how, so there's different pods. Um, this is how this um, justice center was set up. Um, so there's different pods and then based on like your behavior, like if you're not a threat or like, um, any, like you don't have a, like a dangerous like demeanor, you can move up to different pods. So the first pod I was put in, you're in a cell and then they like let you out and you get like a two hour break, like for the whole day and the rest of the day you're in night, you're in your cell. Um, so I don't know how many women were in there, but like when I had like my two hour break, I would like walk laps <laughs> and I had my glasses on, like they didn't take my glasses, thank goodness. And so there were some women that are like, oh my gosh, like you look so smart. Like you look like a teacher. And I was like, I am a teacher. Like, oh my gosh. Like, so, um, but so I shared this cell with one other um, individual and um, yeah. So it was definitely when you were in like those more secured areas, there's a lot of yelling and a lot of like crying like at night like I'll always remember like the sounds of like women like screaming and crying and then like trying to talk to each other like through the like well I don't even know like the walls or the toilets I don't know what they were trying to like it was pretty scary but um towards the end of my luxurious stay I was able to um go to like what the, all the girls called the towers. And so that those are open. You don't have a door. And then there's just like little bays of bed, like bunk beds. Um, so it's open and you don't technically have to be on your bed unless there's like, I, I don't remember what they called it. Like a, not a lockdown, but like a hold in place or something. I don't know where you'd have to go sit on your bed, but that seemed a little bit more there was even a basketball court in that area so I was able to go like shoot hoops which was very comforting to me because basketball was always my safe place like I've coached basketball I played basketball my entire life so that was very like comforting to me and it was another sign that like to like have something like that was a sign like from the universe god like it's going to be okay because it just brought me back to a place of like like a basketball court is home to me. So that was very comforting too. So in a weird place. But, mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, people said you look like a teacher. You were a teacher. So how did it feel? Was this your first time really getting into trouble? Like you never went to detention. You were like, quote unquote, good. You followed the rules, did the things, and then just ended up being in this circumstance where you ended up arrested and in jail yeah. and you were a good person. So what did it feel like to be 
in the jail knowing that, you know, you're a good person. And other people <laughs> kind of pointed that out, like, oh, you look like a teacher. And how did you tell your school board? Like, were you in jail on the school days? Yeah. Um, so what, so I'll go back a little bit to like the situation. Like I was in a relationship and things got very, um, toxic and wrong place, wrong time ended up calling, um, the police and I was the one that was arrested. So, um, in, so I, it was during school, um, and I had called like my parents, um, and they knew, cause I knew their phone number by heart. Thank goodness. Like <laughs> in today's age where we don't really know phone numbers anymore. Um, but so they ended up getting a hold of one of my friends who's a teacher. Um, and she, um, didn't cover for me, but basically told my boss, like, Hey, Ashley is not going to be at work today. Like we need to get her a sub. Um, but come to find out also that the school board gets a report. Um, if like you're arrested is I think how it happened. So I technically didn't have to tell my boss or the school, the school board, um, like what had technically happened, they already knew. So it was just more of like, okay, what happened? So, which I was really taken back at first because when you think of a teacher, like obviously they're people of like really high morals, like good core values. Like it's just really, and it's not something I ever would have imagined myself being in that position. So like when they were like, Hey, we heard like this happened. I was like, Oh my God, like, yeah, it, it happened. And I don't know, like, I don't know what to say. Like, so, cause then you're wondering like, am I going to be able to keep my job? Like I work with kids, like this doesn't look like, do I have to tell the parents what happened? So they put me on a leave of absence until some of it was figured out. Um, but the court case was going to take too long and they needed to move forward, like with their school year. So, um, and then coming out with my charges of what I actually was charged with, um, the Colorado department of education, when they got the report of what the charges were, I got a, a letter from them in the mail that said I could go on trial with them as well, or I could just surrender my teaching license. And so, I remember this was like a pivotal moment in my decision of like moving forward and like being super intentional about rebuilding my life. As I remember my dad saying, cause I've always wanted to own my own business and do my own thing. And like very passionate about building like a dream life or like what and helping others support others in their dream lives and like what they want to do. So I remember my dad telling me, Ashley, this is your chance. Make your decision and don't look back, period. Make the decision, don't look back, and go full force into whatever you decide you're gonna do. Like, no, you have nothing to lose. This is rock bottom. <laughs> this is um, your chance to do what you wanna do. And I remember standing in the middle of the house I was living at in the street when my dad told me that in front of his truck. Like, I can remember, like, 
it was uh like august i think so it was like it was warm out like i remember everything so it's just one of those moments where i can say okay like that was a turning point so i'm will always be grateful for my dad and like his wisdom in that time too because he's an entrepreneur as well so that was super helpful so once you made the decision, then you made the decision to um, render your teaching. Yeah. So I had to write the hardest letter I've ever written in my entire life, um, tears and all, because it's one of those situations where I wasn't at, I, I had made decisions to put myself in a, in a dangerous situation because of the abusive pattern that was there. But in the toxic pattern that was there. Um, but I feel like I wasn't um, arrested on what, what truly happened. Like it wasn't my fault. Um, and so writing a letter to give away everything that you've worked towards, everything that you've done. Because I've known I was going to be a teacher since forever. Um, my, I was four or five. My mom tells the story of during Christmas time, I took all the ornaments off the tree, lined them all up on the couch. I don't know where my mom was at the time, but I guess she came in the living room and she was like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm playing school. Like I'm the teacher. So it's always <laughs> been in my like blood and ingrained in me um, to be a teacher. So to write a letter of ever like, what you went to school for. I'd been a teacher for nine years and to give it up and not know what was going to come next was super hard. Um, but at the same time, there was a piece about the decision and I could hear God's voice of like, that's okay. Like you can be a teacher in anything. It doesn't have to be in a classroom. Teachers are everywhere. So, and even Oprah Winfrey, she calls herself a teacher and she interviews people. So there's so many different classrooms or if you will, or places to be able to teach people. So I knew that it was going to be okay. Um, and that maybe my calling was bigger than just teaching in a classroom. Not saying that teaching isn't one of the greatest, like we owe our teachers so much because they sacrifice so much and they do so much for all of our kids. But I truly believe that the message and what I've gone through is meant for a bigger classroom, if you will, or a bigger audience. Um, I will always remember my students. I, I love them to death. I still, um, I see them out and about. So it's really good to see some of them still. So um but it's all for me, it's about serving somebody or impacting one person every single day. So no matter if that's, that was in the classroom when I was teaching and now it's it, who I see at the grocery store, like who I send um, text messages to or who I interact with on Instagram or the clients that I get to serve um, or in the ma a mastermind that I'm in, like serving people and teaching people can happen in all contexts in all areas.
Okay. I just have to pause there because I love that you brought that up because I think sometimes like being a teacher as well, um, that sometimes even though it was an incredible experience, you put your heart and soul into it, you showed up every day, you've changed lives, that sometimes I think maybe if a teacher walks away from the traditional classroom and pursues something different, then everything that they've done is kind of maybe looked at tainted or mm-hmm. or that people look at it like, oh, was she in it? Did she love it? How did she show up for my kids? Where it's like, no, I was 100% in and loved it and breathed it and did it while I was in it. Now it's just time for me to change courses and do something else that, yeah, you can't take away what your experience was like and what the kids got from you. So I just love that you brought that up, that you can be a teacher and there's so many teachers out there in non-traditional ways. Yeah. And I think too, it's for all my teacher friends who want to do something else, it's okay. Like, yes, we went to school to be a teacher and yes, we love kids and we love that job is so hard. It's, it's hard. Like you're on all the time and it's okay to want different things and to do other things. And I like looking back, um, those kids that were placed in my classrooms, those nine years were my kids. Um, and those I had the opportunity to teach them. And I think, um, that was a gift and a blessing I'll never take for granted. Um, and I think too, that sometimes teachers need a better growth mindset. Like we have to teach mindset, but then sometimes we get so stuck in like, well, I'm just a teacher. It's like, you're not just a teacher. Like you're an encourager, you're a cheerleader. Like you're, you have all these skills. Like we have tech skills, we have reading skills, we have organization skills, we have all these things. And we put ourselves in a box of, well, I'm just a teacher. Well, knock that shit off. Like you're more than a teacher. So (laughs) that's kind of, um, so if you have dreams to do something else and you have we have skills to do other things. We're very marketable. Um, so do it. <laughs> I love that. Um, okay. So now you have basically, yeah, resigned from teaching. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's coming next. Like, how are you feeling right now? You, you've resigned. Your dad said, don't look back. It was a pivotal moment for you you are just going to have to look forward, but what feelings were you sitting in at that time? Oh gosh. Um, I, okay. So I was still going through a family court case in my criminal court case. So every day was like some days it was just get out of bed, (laughs) shower, take care of um, my daughter and um, make sure that there's nothing that the lawyers need or anything like that. In the court system, it's very much like um, like a lot of waiting, a lot of patience. And so 
going through that time, some of those days, like there's three main questions I asked myself. And one of them was, what is this trying to teach me? So I literally remember, um, I was like, okay, this is trying to teach me patience because you have a court date. And then sometimes they're like, okay, well, we don't really have all the information we need and we need to set up another court date, another hearing. So, and that's not for another month. So then you're waiting, you're like in this waiting period for a month. You're like, well, shit, now what do I do? So, um, so what is this trying to teach me? And like, how is this working for me? So during that time too, like, I think I was facing, I forget now, but it was like six or nine years, like in prison, like with the charges that I had had. So it was like, okay, like, do you start something? Do you, I, so I lost my job and like, if I don't use this time, at least wisely, like I can start something now. Like I have a feeling that like everything's going to be okay. There was always an underlying feeling that everything's going to be okay. And that that wasn't meant for me. And if it was meant for me, then I'm supposed to be a teacher in jail, but (laughs) I will help people from that perspective. But I knew that that wasn't really like what was going to happen. So I decided to, I remember in my parents' basement, my dad also um, does photography as a hobby. And so I used his like studio and I had my, my own camera and I started taking flat lays of pictures that people use on like Instagram or for their website or anything like that. And I was like, okay, I can sell images and start a business with photography. So Um, I remember selling my first $8, (laughs) I didn't have a website, didn't even have an email, didn't have a business name. And I posted in a Facebook group, like an entrepreneur Facebook group. I said, I have this bundle of photo. I think they were like Halloween photos even. And for $8 and you get 10 photos and somebody bought it. And I was like, holy shit. Like, okay. So $8, like the first one like that's okay like things are going to be okay and I that was another point where I was like okay opportunities will come and I just need to stick to like doing it and stick to it um so then but like the every day was hard like I faced a lot of anxiety and I faced (laughs) I had people asking me like, what's going on? Like, what's going on? What's going on? I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, and this is just where we're at. And, um, the Bible verse that always stuck out to me was Exodus 14, 14, um, be still and I will fight for you. And that was my go-to because, um, like having a criminal case and being the quote criminal, And then I'm in a family case and being worried about like, if that's going to have an impact on what the custody outcome was going to be was really nerve wracking. Um, So, but that Bible verse is what like saved my sanity and like kept me in like, he's fighting for me, even though I can't, I'm sitting here and it feels like I'm doing nothing. My job right now is to sit still and trust in him that that's what's going to happen. So that was my 
like go to. So. And what, what did you discover in that stillness? Because it can be such an uncomfortable feeling to sit still because then everything comes in. Yeah. So it, it is uncomfortable AF. Like I still struggle or like you feel so stuck, but I, there was a quote that I also um, really leaned on was that like everything is temporary, no matter if it's good, enjoy the good while it's there because it's not going to last. And then if things are dark and you are in challenging times, also take heed that it's not going to last and that it's going to end at some point. Um, So I think it was just like, it was so uncomfortable at the time and I felt so, so stuck. But now like looking back, that's where the magic was. That's where I was able to say, okay, these are the things that I know to be true. Like I'm a kind person. I am a cho- I'm chosen by God. Like he has a plan and it's my job to say yes. So now, okay. So now what? And then um, I signed up to go to school for like graphic design. So um, I kept making, I kept making small moves, which at the time seemed huge and they were huge, but I think it was just keeping the small little momentum in like, take, this was a thing that I hated when people said to me though, like in that time, they're like, take care of yourself. And I'd be like, what the F does that mean? like take care of yourself it made me so mad like I know it was coming from a good place because people don't know what to say because when they like when you see somebody's life like literally imploding you don't know like what to say you're like okay like take care of yourself and I'd go home and I'd be like what the hell does that mean like take a bubble bath like Uh, yeah that was one of the things that like now I will never say that to somebody else because it's just like it would make me so upset, but, um, I think just keeping an eye on like knowing, even if you have to write out like a list of gratitude or like on a piece of paper, I know that I am this. And for me, it was, I know that God has made me this, like my characteristics of how kind I am or like that I'm able to teach people and people are drawn to me to teach them or, Um, so, okay, then what's my next step? So, um, and when you have labels that are put on you that are not true, it's frustrating, but you have to know deep down, like who you are and like what, for me, it was what God like made me. So, um, even though I was stripped of all those things that I thought that I was going to be forever, um, some of them are still true, and but then other ones are coming forward more of like resilience and strength that helped me later on too. So, so comfortable, but stick it. Stick <laughs> it. Yeah. Little action, little things. Yeah. So because, yeah, you were labeled as all these things that you weren't, did you try to explain to anybody or did you just know this is not 
like who I am as a person and what they're trying to portray me as or the labels or the way people are thinking. Did you ever try to explain yourself or did you just know deep down, this isn't who I am. I'm just going to keep going. And I think fortunately, since like a lot, I don't have a huge circle, but my circle that knew me, knew me really well. And when I would tell people, I'm like, Hey, I got arrested. They're like, shut up. No, you didn't. <laughs> like, that's not true. And I'm like, no, it's true. Like I'm not teaching anymore. And um, this is what happened. And they're like, whole, like, holy crap. And I'm like, yeah, because I was on probation for a while. And that was like a huge, I don't know, like red letter on, like, I felt like there was like a sign on my forehead or um, that like everybody knew, which nobody knows. But um, I never really, there were some people I would tell the entire story to. And then there's some people that, I did tell the story to, and they're not a part of my life anymore. And um, at first I was really upset. And then coming, like going through it, I'm like, okay, well, that person then wasn't really my friend or um, I'm always willing to help other people and do other things for people probably even neglecting my own boundaries because I want to serve other people. That's part of the, I think all teachers are like that too, but, or most teachers are. And I think that it was eye opening to me to see who was technically in my corner and who was not. So that was a blessing, but it was also super hard. Um, because friends that I had had for a really long time were no longer there, like friends I'd had my whole life. So it was definitely interesting, but now I know quality friends and I know like my family that supports me and my family's very supportive. They've always been supportive. Um, so that was always good. And then it's more now like in intentions like setting intentions having being the energy that I want to bring into my life but also the energy that I want to give to people and sometimes people don't deserve all of our energy or don't deserve you don't have to this was one thing I learned from my from my lord it was like you don't have to tell everybody everything like you don't always have to like give them all the details like it's okay um and I actually use that a lot <laughs> now too. So um, I think that based on boundary, I learned a lot about boundaries, which is one of the blessings of the situation. So um, yeah. Okay. So now you are taking small steps, kind of leading you down a new path. What are some of the the things that are coming up or how do you stay grounded? What are some of your strategies to keep moving forward that are keep leading you in this good direction? Um, well, one, it's not easy. And, um, even within like one 24 hour period, I would have ups and downs of like, oh my gosh, I can do this. And then, oh my gosh, I suck. And like, oh my gosh, like I got a sale, like great. And then all of a sudden, like, oh my gosh, no. So it's just a roller coaster. 
Um, I think that's for any entrepreneur um, starting out, like you are all over the place kind of. But as long as you keep the vision of, I knew I needed to be at home with my daughter and I knew things were going to be that God's my provider and that he would make a way. So it was my job to take the anxiety that I was dealing with. And I, one of my techniques is to actually use a box um, and I write down my anxiety or my worry or whatever it is on a small piece of paper. And then I fold it up and I put it in the box. And that's my hands-on moment or prayer moment to be like, this is my worry. Okay, universe, God, it's in the box. It's off of my plate now. So I have a box that goes back a couple of years um, and I can go back and open it up and look at how God's provided, how he's protected me, how um, my answered prayers. Are all of them answered? No. But I think that's one of the things that I did that really helped. Um, And then I started going to church and like meeting new people. Um, And that was scary because like, again, I thought that everybody would know somehow that I was like on probation and like I'm this quote unquote criminal, but um, nobody knows. So um, I was able to brick by brick rebuild what I wanted to and include what I wanted to in my life. So then I also started going to yoga every day and that was super helpful um, for like the peace of mind and like to help me through those really tough months of like waiting for court dates. Um, And a lot of journaling. So um, I've read some of my past journals a couple weeks ago and I actually see like how um like how things unfolded and it took time and it like when you're in it when you're in the thick you're in the mud it seems like it's going to be forever and when in reality it can be a month it can be two months it could be it could be a year it could be two years but it's not going to last Um, so journaling the prayer box, and then just being super intentional with the activities that I was adding to my life. So I love that. Yeah. You're starting to actually take care of you and put yourself first. Did you have any self-care practices like back going back to the day or the days before you got arrested? Were you taking care of you back then? Um, I would, no, I would say no, because I just had a baby. So anybody that's had a baby or knows somebody that's had a baby that's close to them, you're not, like you are focused on yourself, but you're really not. Like it's all about making sure that the baby is good. And I had just gone back to work. um, And with my job, we only had six weeks off for maternity leave. Okay. I need to stop you there. (laughs) That should be a crime. Oh my gosh. So like, it was so awful because it was just like my relationship situation was not great. Like that was stressful enough as it was 
going back to work. I, at that time I was working with severe special needs adults and some of them could be super violent, like a lot of behaviors. Um, so going, it was just super, I was in survival mode. Like I remember my first week back um, teaching that Friday night, I fell asleep in my teaching clothes, like on the bed, like on top, like put my daughter down to bed and like fell asleep. Um, I'd never been so exhausted in my entire life. So no, I was not taking care of myself whatsoever. And which in turn is another blessing because I was like, now I know more of what my body needs to be able to be the best mom that I can be and then serve other people. Um, do I still sometimes push those boundaries probably a little bit too far? Yeah, because I have a heart to serve other people, but um, I know I've gotten better and I've able to say no more or I've rewritten my, my personal rule book for what's okay and what's not okay. So, yeah. Yeah. At the forefront of your brain you've yeah. got, yeah, you right there. That's awesome. Yeah. And we're all human. So I know you, you're yeah. intentional about it and you have it there. So yeah, there are some times that you slip back into, yeah, those old, old oh, habits. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, you can get back, bounce back way faster now that you've yeah, created this space where you are. So things are looking up for you. You've, you're kind of coming through, creating some, uh, a, a different path, you're different opportunities are coming your way. You're using what you have in a different way. And then can you take us to when did you first learn that you had MS? Like what happened there? Yeah. So I woke up one morning, um, and I could not see it in my right eye. Like it sounds crazy, but I literally woke up. I remember standing at the kitchen sink and I remember looking straight ahead, there was a window right over the sink. And I remember feeling my daughter on my right leg, like how little kids hold on to you. I could feel her, but like looking forward, my right eye I was black and I could not see anything. I could not see her like on. And I'd always, um, I've played sports, like peripheral vision, all that stuff, I would say was always pretty good. Like, I, um, so in that moment, I was like, shit, something is really, really wrong. Um, so I called um, the doctor and they were like, well, that's a vision problem. That's not a, they're like, you need to go see an eye doctor. And I was like, okay, fine. Um, I called I don't even think I had an eye doctor at the time or like I was in between insurance, something was going on. So I didn't have an eye doctor. I called my dad's eye doctor's office. Um, so I got in and this doctor was like, um, so you have optic neuritis. Um, have you ever heard of MS? And I'm like, yes, my mom has MS. He was like, okay. He was like, you, <clears throat> this is a vision thing, but something's going on with your nerve and you're going to go get an MRI. Um, you need to go right now. I've already put in the order and 
his office is connected to the hospital. He was like, you're literally going to walk down the hallway, go to the emergency room. They're already waiting for you. Things myself. Shit. Like I just dropped my daughter off into like a drop-in daycare. So I'm by myself, single mom, by myself, trying to figure out who's going to get uh, the mini me, who, like, how long am I going to be here? Who do I need to call? Like, I drove myself to, to, to the eye doctor, which was probably not the smartest idea, but independent, strong, prideful, whatever it is. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm going to need somebody probably to like drive me home. So I start making phone calls. Everybody's freaking out. Um, so somebody picks up my daughter, takes her home. Um, I literally walked out. This was another moment of my life that I for sure can tell you that God is real and nothing. He's in the details if you look for him. Because I walked out of the eye doctor's office and one of my former um, students was sitting on the bench outside and she goes, Miss Hike. And I'm like, oh my gosh. It was she and she teachers don't have favorites, but teachers have students that are very close to their hearts. And this was a student that was very close to my heart. And she was like, oh my gosh, what are you doing here, babe? Because she was one of my special needs students and I just love her so much. And she I was so I started crying because I was like, oh my gosh, like that was such it was a sign that everything was going to be okay. I still can make an impact. Like I've made an impact. I can continue to make an impact no matter what the outcome of this was going to be. Um, and in that moment, seeing that student, I knew that I wasn't alone. That was the most alone I've ever felt, but I knew I wasn't alone. So then, and anybody that's had an MRI, like those things can be really scary. And so I went into my MRI and I'm like, no, like I'm fully supported. And I remember feeling the presence again, like I did back in the, in the jail cell of like God's presence. And like, there was such a calmness that came over me that the, the MRI tech, she asked me, she was like, how long have you had MS? And I was like, I don't know. That. that was where I was like, well, she saw something like in my scans, but I didn't, I was like, I don't, I've never been diagnosed. So this is like my first, like maybe possible flare up. So she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. But like, I had multiple people tell me throughout that process that they were like so in shock with how calm and at peace I was with everything that was happening. And that's because I'd gone through obstacles a year before that year and a half that were so trying as well that like the only thing that you have is to trust that everything's going to be okay and that you're going to be provided for and that no matter what, like this is also part of my purpose and part of my calling. So it did seem at first I was pissed. Like at, there was certain points where I was like, okay, I've gone through all this stuff. I'm rebuilding my life. And then all of a sudden, like, I feel like here's another curveball of how am I going to be a single mom like provide for my daughter like what if my eyesight doesn't come back what if someday I wake up and I can't walk like what if someday but then that 
that was also another point where I, I went back to my box. <laughs> I went back to writing those things down and putting it in God's hands and being like, okay, like you're going to handle this or like, you're going to make whatever's going to come out right. And you're going to use it the way that it needs to be used. So, um, it was, so that was the start of that. And my eyesight's never fully come back. Um, but our bodies are amazing. And my left eye has definitely picked up the slack and, um, it's, it's crazy. So, yeah. That is so, I just love how you bring up your box again. Cause I think that can help so many people that it's like, you have to honor those worries because if you don't honor them, they're just going to keep nagging and nagging and nagging at you. But once you like write it down, honor the things that you're worried about and put it in the box. It's like, okay, now I can let it go. Let it go to the universe. I've, or be peace with peace at what's going to come because you've, yeah. Yeah. Honored. Cause there's so many things that like, we can't, we don't have direct control over and putting so much energy into trying to figure out what's going to happen next when you can't control that is so detrimental to the decisions that you'll make in the meantime. So knowing that, okay, I can't control this, but I can control um, how my reaction is or like how I'm going to take care of my body or how um, just being at peace with what is going to happen is so... Like in any obstacle, you can use that tactic because even in my criminal case or the family case, there are so many things that are out of my control. Um, and, but the things that you can control are how you react, how you treat other people, like what you decide to do each day and like how you decide to help other people, like you can control those things. Um, so no matter what, I know that at my core, that no matter what happens from here on out with having MS, um, I can still make an impact and I can still help other people, even if I can't walk or I can't do other things. So, and I remember being in an appointment during that time of being diagnosed, um, of just a voice saying like, it doesn't matter like what your body's gonna do, you're still gonna impact people. Like, okay, you might not be able to see out of your eye, but you can see out of the other eye. So don't let it alter what your calling is. Cause there were so many points where I could have like surrendered to like what was going on and be like play the victim, but that wasn't a choice for me because that wasn't going to lead me to where I wanted to be to help other people. And um, so just thinking about things that I could control has always been a rule for me, like when things come up. Um, Cause there's always something that you want to control that you shouldn't try to, and then <laughs> choosing and deciding to do what's best or like what you can control. Um, so, and I also call that like staying in your hula hoop. Um, I can't control how other people react. I can't control what other people are going to say, but I can control that of myself. 
um, in how I interact with other people. So my boundary of my hula hoop. So yeah, your mindset is incredible. And I think it's just so inspiring to so many people out there who, like you said, you could have surrendered, you could have played the victim, you could have let these circumstances that you couldn't control take over. But you decided, yeah, to focus on the things that you could control because things are always going to come up. So I love your mindset around that. It's led you to where you are. Yeah. And I think that everybody's obstacles are different sizes. And even no matter, like, it might not be going to jail. It might not be losing your eyesight. But if you lose a job or you lose a loved one, like, you're still in that same like you don't know what's going to happen and it's uncertain and it's unknown. And especially like in the last year, a lot of people have faced a lot of unknowns. Um, and um, just thinking about what you can control can help and letting go of what you can control, like releasing um, what other people do. That took me a long time as well, like through this whole process um, with learning how to co-parent with, with someone um, that learning to release, uh, was, um, really hard, but I think that if you keep moving forward, but also release, release as is as important as like moving forward, you have to release certain things that no longer serve you or support the person that you want to be. Right. Yeah, that's so important. Okay, so where are you today? So today, I feel so blessed. And um, I get to help women start businesses. I have a few e-courses to help um, women start businesses. I do graphic design to um, help them with their business, attract their ideal client. Um, I also get to stay at home with my baby girl. So she is three years old now, and she is full of energy. And I just feel blessed to be able to be at home with her. Um, And then mainly, I love impacting others and inspiring others um, through my story. So as long as um, if there's one person that hears this or sees an Instagram post or I come into contact with, if I can help one person with just one thing, then I feel like that day I've done what I'm supposed to do. So um, that's where I'm at now. And I'm super excited to see um, where God takes me and takes my story because I feel like um, that's what I'm called to do. And I'm all in. So I love it. (laughs) Yeah, it's such a beautiful spot to be in from what you went through and all the obstacles that you've encountered. You're just in such a beautiful space right now where you can see like, yeah, you're glowing. (laughs) Yeah. The impact that you have on just by sharing your story and just being who you are. And I'm sure you've transformed from who you were at the beginning of this, just this story to who you are now, like that transformation formation within has, yeah, it's going to play a big impact on whoever comes in contact with you. 
And I hear, so some, like some people who have known what I've gone through, like they've asked me or like, they tell me part of their story and they're like, well, I want to be who I was before this happened. Like, I want to be who I was pre MS diagnosis. I want to be who I was pre arrest. I want to be like, or whatever their story is. And part of me would just wants to like hold them and say, like, you're not supposed to be that same person. Like, it's okay to miss that person, to grieve what that person was. But at the same time, you're not meant, our lives are meant to grow. We're supposed to change. And like, yes, you can chase the happiness. You can chase the joy. Like you can bring those pieces back, but you're never going to be the same person that you were before. And that's the way that life is supposed to be because you're supposed to learn the lessons because the girl that got arrested and that was in a bad relationship, like that girl doesn't exist anymore. Thank God. So I don't want to be who I was like, or even when I was teaching, like I loved it and I felt, and I was, I was good at it. I was a good teacher. I was making a lot of impact, but also I know that it gave me the tools to where I need to be now. So don't knock where you've been, but also know that it's okay to change and to transform into what you're supposed to be. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things too, is, taking those skills or like what you're good at to transform them into what you're supposed to be. So that is so powerful because I think a lot of people get stuck. So yeah, just hearing that you can change your course is yeah. So powerful. Yeah. Okay. I have a few last questions for you. Yes. Okay. So my first one is what three things are you grateful for today? Um, my faith, um, my daughter, um, and that I'm creative as fuck. <laughs> so. Love it. You are, I know I need to, tap. I'll be messaging you after. Yeah. <laughs> need, need some of your creativity. Uh, what does your future have in store? Where do you see yourself in five years from now? Oh gosh. Um, so I would love to, um, first of all, be the best mom that I can be. Um, so taking care of myself, taking care of my daughter, um, but also inspiring other women and, um, maybe like masterminds or just creating a space for women to, um, pursue their dreams, maybe a co-working space or something like that. Um, and then I all someday I hope to be married again, maybe have another child. We'll see. I don't know what God has in in store. So, um, but yeah, I would love to, um, have a bigger family or, um, support the family that I have now. Love it. Thank you. Okay. What are three of your most valuable lessons or takeaways that you've come away with from this experience? Um, so, I would say gratitude. There's always something to be grateful for. Um, even if it's just that you're able to put your feet on the ground in the morning. Um, and also courage. Um, it's not something that you have right off the bat, but it's something that you can build. 
um, to be in that uncomfortable space and to have courage to try different things to see what works. And that's also what I say, like I'm creative, like I figured stuff out or like I problem solved. Um, so have the courage to get creative with what you can do, um, with what you have. Um, and then I would say kindness still, I think throughout the whole process, um, no matter what was going on, I always want to be kind to other people. Um, I might not have always been the kindest going through all of this, um, because being in stressful situations, um, people don't necessarily act themselves, but I, um, hope that and continue to be kind to everyone to impact them positively. Thank you. Okay. And my last question is what words of encouragement would you give to someone who is sitting in the darkness right now? Um, so my encouragement is that it's not going to last forever. It might seem that it's going to last forever um, because you feel like nothing can change, but know that the universe and God, whatever you believe in, um, has your back. And when you start making moves, even if it's just getting dressed and going for a walk, if it's sending an email about a job opportunity, if it's reaching out to a friend, um, or if it's trying something new, that if you make small steps, you'll end up where you're supposed to be. I also have learned that there's no wrong thing to do. Um, There's lessons to be learned. I think sometimes we take so much time to make a decision about something when we just need to, I'm a jumper now, like I jump (laughs) and I go like, um, and if it turns out to be the wrong decision, then you can um, adjust and pivot and keep moving forward. Um, I hope that if you are in that and you hear this, that you decide to do one thing um, to push yourself forward, um, no matter what that looks like, Um, even if it's just taking a shower or putting on earrings. I always find that like putting on earrings makes me feel better. So yeah. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Your story is incredible. I'm so grateful that you are sharing it with me and the world so they can- Yes. Thank you for being here. And I can't wait to watch and see what's going to happen next. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of All Things Relatable. If you know someone that would relate to this episode and get value from it, please pass it along. Also, if this episode resonated with you, I would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe.